Scripture reading today comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, and verses 22 through 33. Let us hear God's word. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. We have been going through Ephesians, and the first half of Ephesians has been how Christ has brought life into a world that was dead in sin, that he has taken sinners and given them new life, and that in Christ we have this unity. The second half of Ephesians continues on with the implication and the practical, the, the force that it changes the world and in relationships, and we go into today where Paul starts with marriage, marriage. Uh, this is a common joke that pastors have used, so this is not mine. This is one of those jokes that every pastor thinks they created, but it's, it's, uh, it's commonly used almost to nausea. But just in case you didn't hear it, there are three rings in, in marriage. First is the engagement ring. Second is the wedding ring. And the third is suffering. Ha-ha. <laughs> um, even, even that joke implies the half-truth that marriage is hard, and, but it also kind of undermines this idea marriage isn't always terrible. Uh, we kind of have give marriage this uh, mountainous feel that it's, it's impossible. At the same time, it, it can be impossible. So how do we do marriage well? And so in our life group, because in my life group Wednesday morning, I'm in a room full of wisdom. I mean, people have lived decades more than me. They know a lot more about the Bible. They know, they know life. And so I asked them, what is your secret to strengthen marriage? And so here are some of their answers. First person said, no, I, I, I. That's pretty good, eh? In marriage, you cannot live with I, I, I or me, me, me. Second person, second couple said, you know, for us, we just go on a nice walk every day together. That's, that's a key part of our marriage. We just go on a walk. Third, um, and there were so many, third, trusting one another to fulfill the responsibilities we, we expect of one another day to day to function as this body. I trust you to fulfill it for me. And so 
All of those three have something in common that may not be easily glared. All of them have this in common. None of them are emotional. Did you notice that? None of them said, I just wake up. When I look at her face, my heart just melts. How can I have you as my wife? No one said that. Uh, my wife will never say that about me. <laughs> In fact, she wakes up and she goes, by God's grace. And so none of them are emotional. Strong marriages, it's never fueled by this, oh, geez, I still have butterflies when I see her. Uh, I, I, we've known couples in this church who've been married for 70 years. And they love each other. And it's like we just sit together and read the book. And so the secrets to a healthy marriage, I think we know it's not this Hollywood portrayal. It's not TV. It's not the K-drama. Some of you who watch Korean dramas where, you know, there's always that. It, it always ends with a happy ending. It's, it's, as Tim Keller says it, despite the drying up of our feelings of love, it's this commitment to act in love. Did you catch that? Tim Keller says, despite the drying up of our feelings of love, it's this devotion and commitment to act in love. It's an act. So this trust and seeking the best for the other, despite how you feel, is love. I don't think Jesus felt this lovey-dovey feeling as he hung on the cross. He was in pain. God, why have you forsaken me? But this act of love, of dying, giving himself, was love. So Ephesians, Paul says, relationships are hard. So can you say amen if you know relationships are hard? This side seemed louder, so maybe you guys have more counseling to do. One more time. If you had a difficulty in relationships of any kind, please say amen. 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 It is hard. And so no wonder why Paul starts with this good news of Jesus Christ that we're saved by grace through Christ and that how it affects everything else. So God makes sure that marriage is a key part of health and flourishment in our society. So that's not just God's idea. This is societal studies. So for example, many studies have shown, this is from an article, that married couples have better physical health, more financial stability, and greater social mobility than unmarried people. And that includes cohabitation. So cohabitating couples do not have this kind of intimacy and flourishment and, and, and sing, as single people too. Other studies show that children of those couples are more likely to experience higher academic performance, emotional maturity, and financial stability when there's a mom and dad at home. And so no wonder why it's that way. It's because God has invented marriage. God created marriage for society's strength. Marriage is not just something humans made up, but from Genesis 2, God said, hey, be fruitful and multiply. Two shall become one. And so this is God's design. And so the world's like, forget God, forget the Bible, forget everything he said. Why is the world falling apart? And we say, well, you just threw out the main things that remind us why God gave us marriage. Um, so Having all of these things, having said all these things, I want to say this to people who are single. That does not mean in any way that singlehood is inferior or less valuable than, than marriage. That there's strength in singlehood. There's a purpose that God has as well. So until the time that God calls two to become one, we trust God in that. 
But God's plan for society and America, have, for the first time in our history, we have less married households than uh, single households. For the first time in history, about two years ago. So Paul goes into this and he says, let me give you instructions of God's plan for marriage. So young people, especially youth, especially my kids and all of us, it's a great reminder and a, and a touching point. But I have a few prerequisites before I go in. So I want to share three things of what God says makes marriages strong. But I will have the prerequisites I have as per Ephesians is this. One, that there is already a unity that the husband and wife have in Christ. This would be very hard to apply if the husband or the wife is not a believer. Because Paul is speaking to the Ephesian church. Those who are in Christ. Those who, as he says in chapter 3, verse 1, were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So both are filled with the Spirit. And then both of them are, get this, in chapter 5, devoted to a walk in love. And devoted to a walk in wisdom. That comes from verse 1 and 2 of this chapter. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. It's a walk. Live in love. Act in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So the prerequisite is, does my wife love Jesus Christ and is she devoted to walking like Christ loved? Is my husband devoted to that? In verse 15, Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So these are the prerequisites before we jump in, right? So you can't just throw this at people and be like, hey, try this. Having said that, there is this idea of common grace. Common grace is that even those people who don't know Christ, who don't know God, sometimes they have even better marriages on the surface level than Christians, yes? I, I, we don't see a difference in Christian marriages and, and non-Christian marriages. So common grace does exist, but for believers, for us to go into this stratosphere of God's plan for us in our household, this is his recipe. This is his desire for a thriving marriage. So let's go in. Um, first, successful marriages have mutual submission. Can you say mutual submission? So a lot of times we go right into verse 22. We skip over verse 21 in your Bible. Verse 21 says this. Verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, and then wives submit to your own husbands. In history, in the 20th century, we've heard that men go to wives and go, wife, submit to me, I'm the, I'm the man. That was not the design or intention of that scripture. It starts with this idea of submitting to one another. It's mutual submission beginning with wife, submit to your husband. And then we'll get to the husband in a bit. And so when we hear wives submit to your husband, we kind of cringe today because we believe in equal power, equal rights. Women, you women are just as ferocious leaders. And the funny thing is, this scripture doesn't, doesn't dissolve that. It doesn't minimize that. We're reading into it as, oh, that makes the woman less important than man. And if you talk to Jesus, he will say to you, that is not even close to what I mean. So what does it mean when we say, wives, submit to your husbands? The clear understanding of this is this. One, it's a mutual submission. It's an invitation to submit, first of all, right? Like for husbands, if you ever go home tonight, you want to sleep on the couch, say to your wife, you submit to me, period, end of story. 
see how long, you know, your health goes on for. I have never told my wife, I'm the husband, you submit to me. And you hear that, and you're like, that's terrible, and that's good. That is not the nature and the tone of this scripture. It is, submit to one another, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So let's unpack that even more. What does it mean? Submission means joining. It literally means submission, joining together in a common mission. It's a battle language. And why do we know it's a battle language? In, later on in Ephesians, we hear about the armor of God, that spiritual warfare is real. And so in a battle, in a team, in an organization, can 10 people say, I'm in charge? No. And so God's plan is, hey, your husband may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, <laughs> but my design for him is to be the ultimate decision maker, not because you're, you're less smart, you're, you're, you're not qualified, but because, hey, defend him, support him, and help him lead. So I want to just pull aside and just help this bring this home. And I was like, wow, this illustration just nailed it for me. So this past year, this, I promise you this is the last baseball example I'll give to you for the rest of this year. I've been giving baseball examples. So I was the manager of this team, and I have no idea how to lead a team. This is the first time head coach, manager. So they loved me last minute with this guy named Rob. And Rob is tattooed, big, uh, scary looking, doesn't smile often. And I was like, who is this guy? And Rob turned out to be a former high school coach who was supposed to be one of my coaches. And I said, uh-oh, because the manager is supposed to be the leader. The manager is supposed to tell the team what to do and, and put the coaches in place. And I said, I don't know how to do that. So I called my friends, and they said, yeah, you're in a tough spot. I've been in that situation. It's pretty bad. Uh, the kids will listen to him, and they'll ignore you. And I started, like, having stress panics because Ethan's on the team, and I'm going, I want him to have a good season. I don't want to jack it up. So I had one option, say, I'm the boss of this team. Rob, you listen to me. Do you understand? I didn't do that. Thank God. So I didn't do that. And then the other part is like, hey, I'll just let Rob, Rob do what he wants, and I'll just kind of support him. I didn't do that either. Somehow, after two, three weeks, this idea came. Mutual submission. What do I do as a pastor? When people are gifted, I say, hey, go, do. You're, you're doing an amazing job. You really are a good coach. He really was. And the boys and the team started cranking. And get this, when he saw that I was encouraging and supporting him as a leader, guess what he did? He started saying, hey, this is Coach Jason. You listen to what he says. And so we started clicking together. We started becoming a family, and we won the championship this year. So the point of it is not the championship, but he was a believer, and he actually preached God to them more than I did. There was a rainbow, and he, one day he said, boys, you know what the rainbow means? It means God's covenant with us. And I was like, dang. That was amazing. And so the beauty of this season, the reason why we had such a great season was we understood, despite the leadership title, despite his knowledge, he was so humble, and that we both supported one another. And we had a common mission, get this team ready and healthy and grow. And they thrived. 
Mutual submission, submission to one another, is not weakness. It's meekness. It means, wives, go to battle for your husbands. So submitting is never for the weak. It's for those who are secure. You can't submit if you're insecure. It's for those who have this trust, those who understand themselves. And the last thing is this. Luke 2.51 says this. Listen to this. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. That word submissive is hippotasso, the same word Paul uses. You know who submitted to who? Jesus, the creator, the God, the triune God of this universe, submitted to Joseph and Mary, who were still teenagers. Now raise your hand if you think Jesus was inferior or Joseph and Mary were more important than Jesus. No way. Submission was not because Jesus was a little boy. He was still God. He chose to do it because he saw the mission and trusted God for the plan of why he was there. Wives, submit to your husbands because you are on a mission as one and you see the purpose of God unfolding in your families. So who am I to tell you wives submit? So I have someone else to do that. I paid her a lot of money to come. She flies all the way from Cyprus, California. Her name is Kathy Ko. Can you give her a hand? So I asked her, I begged her. I said, please, could, would you share as, as my wife? We've been married for 20 years. Um, and, uh, easiest thing we've ever done. Never a hiccup at all. Never an issue at all. That was a joke. That was a joke. We, we, it was, so I wanted to ask her, hey, would you share from your perspective, and I didn't feed her anything, what does it mean for you to, uh, sub, what does it mean for you for when you hear wives submit to your husband? Um, for me, um, it means that um, I yield to um, whatever that Jason finally decides. Like, you can't have two captains um, in any place because when you have two captains and you have a different opinions, then nothing will get done and nothing will be accomplished. So for me as a wife, um, I trust and yield that ultimately the decision we make as a uh, family will be on him to make the final decision and we trust in God and trust in the decision that God has given him to live life. Yeah, and how does that look in everyday life from your perspective? Um, there are a lot of little things and big things that, because him and I have such an opposite personality that we don't agree upon. There's a lot of, it's, it's every day. But I'll, I share my thoughts, my opinions, what I think is best, or um, what I'm concerned about. But ultimately, um, it will be Jason making final decision for the family and I yield and trust that that's what God wants us to do and yield to that. Um, if, like, for example, when we had to, after we got married after three years, um, God called him to do ministry in Texas. It's not a place that I wanted to go because I was comfortable in New Jersey with you know, having my family and having a secure job. Um, it was a big change, but um, after I prayed and he prayed, and even though I shared my concerns. Um, I trust that, that he will make a um, godly decision and make the next move. So 
uh, we ended up going to Texas and everything worked out. And, um, but, you know, in big decisions and little decisions, you know, I, he'll be the captain making decisions. Well, te Texas is a whole testimony one day we'll give to all you guys one day. Um, but um, what you shared something that was really powerful to, to me. If you could share it to the church, like what is the secret of marriage for you? Um, when I got married, I had obvious expectations, um, hopes and dreams, and um, I thought that my husband's going to fulfill all my needs and he's going to take care of me and all these thoughts um, as a single. And then once I got married, after a few years, I realized, oh, that's not going to happen. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's just unreal and um, having high expectations, no one could ever meet your own expectations that you have in marriage. And um, as I was praying, I realized that ultimately I need to depend on God. He's my protection, my security, and as long as I have God um, in my life and I look to him, that marriage and everything else will fall into places. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, Kathy. That's why I married her. Um, and so the, the wisdom that, that Kathy shares is that the world makes it like I need him and he needs me. And what she's saying at the end of the day is the reason why I could submit to you, Jason, is because I trust God. God is my security. And that changed the way I viewed our marriage. And sometimes guys, let's be honest, we find self-esteem from our wives saying, you know, you're the man. But what if we find security in something greater? And so we'll get into that. So it's, it's wives submit to your husbands not because he's wiser, smarter, and he's more powerful, but it's because you trust that he honors and fears the Lord, which takes us to our second point. Husbands, Submit to your husbands, uh, wives. Submit to, your, submit to one another. So husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Now, at that point, all the men in this house who are married just say, uh-oh. Ready? One, two, three, uh-oh. Because how did Christ love the church? Christ suffered for the church. Christ died for the church. Christ gave up his, himself for the church. Christ gave up all his rights for the church. So how did Christ love this church to redeem it and sanctify it? He went to the cross for this church. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. In that common mutual understanding, the wife can trust the husband's decision, and the husband can lead the family into this way. Uh, Tim Keller says this, both men and women today see marriage not as a way of creating character and community, but as a way to reach personal life goals. They are looking for a marriage partner who will fulfill their emotional, sexual, spiritual desires. And that creates an extreme idealism that in turn leads to a deep pessimism that you will, you will ever find that right person to marry. So we don't, you know, the, remember the movie Jerry Maguire? At the end of the movie, he goes, you complete me, and everyone went, ah, right? Do you remember that part? Well, God would say, no, I complete you, period, full stop. And I will complete both of you as one as well. 
we don't find salvation and wholeness from our spouse. And that's Kathy's sharing. We find it from Christ. So when we're freed from that obligation to fulfill everything for them, now we could serve them. And so husband and wives, you could whisper to each other, I'm here to serve you. And that's, that's the whole thing. Husbands, you are entrusted with something greater too. Let me read this, verse 26, 27. This is scary to me. That he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. What this is saying is, husbands, you have a responsibility not to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Your job is to sanctify her and prepare her for Christ's reunion. You are the spiritual nurturer, responsibility for this household. And so we live in a time where women outnumber the men in church by like 60 to 40. Guys, how are we able to do that when we're the ones being dragged into the church? And so Paul says in a successful marriage, here's this, the husband is to love his wife as Christ of the church and prepare her and the household to know God. So there's a saying in the world that says, happy wife, happy, right? You've heard that? Here's what God says, holy wife, holy life. So we sanctify, we work, we pray, and we model. So the version of the message version says this, husbands, go all out of your way in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant and holiness. So finally, we get to this point. The third, how do you do this? How do you submit to one another? How does one submit and say, hey, I give myself to you? You know, does that even work? How do, how do we submit and, and fully say, hey, we are, we are proud people, we're stubborn people, we're selfish people. All of a sudden, we're like, hey, let me submit. How do we do that? And I think Paul's point is this. You can only do that when your ultimate security, when your ultimate significance, your ultimate worth are already settled in what Christ has done for you. There is no way as insecure proud people will be able to submit unless we recognize that Christ submitted all for me. And in that love, it breaks me. It, it just completely transforms me. And that as a Christian, I could be a husband who submits and loves in a way that my wife deserves to be loved. And the wife can love and submit to the husband in the way. It is only found in Christ. How can sinners find success in marriage? We need to find Christ. So I end with this. I have this little saying for young married couples. Can you say it with me? It's me, we, he. We start with the me. All life is all about me. Wah, wah, wah. I want my diaper changed. Me, oh, it's about me. I want, I want a pretty, pretty girl. I want a lot of money. Me, we, me. Eventually, you mature a little bit, and you get to the we, and you realize, oh, dang, there's a woman living with me. She's my wife. And you try to do it your way, you're going to be crushed. So we evolve from the me to the we, right? And you're saying, okay, well, I can't go out with the boys every night. My bowling and golf has to be put on hold. She wants a baby and like, oh. And so you're like, you evolve to the we. 
But in the gospel, we, we're not done. We evolve to the he. When the marriage becomes focused on the mission of pursuing God's glory and, glory and just the beauty of Christ and what he's done, and gospel saturates our marriage, you've evolved from the me to the we, and you live for the he. The significance of success of marriage is wives, in trusting in Christ, submit to your husband, cheer them on. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Be humble. Know that you don't know. Seek the wisdom of God and do what's best for her and the family. That honors God. And lastly, do it all in the power and the reign of Jesus Christ and the good news that he did this for you. So his salvation is not just for us to go to heaven, but our marriages, our households can be fueled by an ultimate submission of one another in humility and that God gets all the glory. And the church said, amen. amen. So young people, we're going to be marrying for you. We'll be praying. We'll be keeping an eye on you. We'll give you wisdom. But I think it starts with us in Christ and let it extend into this relationship. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Lord God, in a time where approximately half of the marriages fail, not, and most of it not to any particular fault of one or the other, um, we are a society that believes we could do it with our own might, strength, and wisdom, and charm. And you tell us you've given us everything we need, starting with just of breaking and recognizing our own sinfulness so that we could find hope and salvation and renewal in you. God, I am thankful, Father, for even my wife, um, the way she's taught me, the way you've shown me your beauty through her, that my weaknesses are, are spilled out because of the way that, that Kathy has shown kindness to me and, and that you've grown me, Lord God, to love you through the mercy and grace that I've witnessed. May that be so for all of us. That we are so good at making marriages look great on social media and to the world, but Lord, deep inside, we're fractured. And so, God, I pray for the marriages of not just the believers, but everyone in America, that there would be a wholeness, that there would be a coming to the cross for both the husband and wife, that they would be able to find life in their death of themselves and living for you. So, Lord, seal this in us. Thank you for making it possible through your cross. Thank you that Jesus, this marriage, points to the fact that the miracle of two becoming one is possible. For the miracle that you love the church so much, you were willing to give yourself for her. And so, God, um, allow us to simmer in this truth. And I pray for this community gathered here and listening that all that they need that they would be found in you and that you would allow your, your healing power and your strengthening of the bonds as the husband's eyes are fixed on you and the wives' eyes are fixed on you, that they would truly just flourish in this oneness in you. This we pray in Jesus' name who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.